Switch over. Still didn't switch over. Hold on. Are we up there? My board. That's okay. All right. Are we are we recorded? I think. All right. Uh, next few moments, uh, we're going for our reading this morning. We're just going to go into the communion service today. We're going to communion service will be at the last. It will be it will be at the last part. So uh, you can go ahead and have your coffee. But I just as we open up this morning, I want to um, set aside everything as far as our. Um, as we focus upon the Lord Jesus Christ of salvation. This is this is for you, Julian. I'm praying that you are listening in uh, because it is a reminder as we're coming to the worship of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and, and God's Word that it doesn't matter how much you know of the Bible. It doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't, Your life is nothing whether morally, immorally, um, how much you know of the Bible, how much you know about religion or anything else, that our lives boil down to one thing, who and what the Lord Jesus Christ is. Scripture tells us that we have the Son, we have life. Those who are without the Son does not have life, but the wrath of God abideth upon him. We're, we came into this world in Adam, and Adam all died. It was that first father who committed that sin that plunged mankind into a uh, condemnation. We were we are sinners at birth as progenies of Adam. We came into this world without hope, without life. We had a death sentence upon us. And then, as life goes on, we come to hear about the hope, the hope of salvation. That hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ. When he went to the cross, he had each one of us personally in mind. Julian, he had you in mind. He had me in mind. He had each of us in mind. Because we're all sinners. And that we have no hope of salvation. That we are all guilty before God. And that we had a, a debt to pay. We can't enter into this world as sin. We committed other sins as well to add on top of that. On the night that he was betrayed, you see, uh, he came into this world in order to answer that problem, the problem of salvation. I want you all to listen to this. When You may know this. Amen. I'm glad you do. So, But don't tune out because others don't. And you need to know how to answer the question. If I die today... Where would I go? If I died today, would the Lord accept me? Because many people will tell you. Many people will tell you that I'm okay. I try to do the right thing. I'm a good person. I read my Bible. I study. I go to church. 
They will tell you that, and you will be surprised at how many people will tell you that. Again, I tell you, it's who and what Christ is. Because we have sinned. We've all sinned. It comes short of the glory of God. How many sins does it take for us to spend eternity in hell? We're born as sinners, and one sin will tell us that we are. Go through the Ten Commandments. Have you ever have you ever told a lie? <laughs> yes. Every one of us in here have told a lie. It doesn't matter, big lie, small lie, we've all lied. Have anybody in here committed murder? <laughs> okay, we're off the hook on that, but no. Jesus said if you if you have anything against your brother, you've already committed murder in your heart. Have you ever stolen anything? It doesn't matter how big or small it is. Have you ever? You may have not uh, robbed the bank. Have you stolen anything? These things are indicators that we have sinned against God. They are an indictment that we do need a Savior. But Jesus Christ, on the night that he was betrayed, said, Father, let this cup pass from me. Not my will, but your will be done. He said previously that I did not come into this world to judge the world, but to save the world. That's you and me. And the work of salvation, you see, God just cannot arbitrarily forgive us. He went to the cross to die for us, to take that sin as a substitute for us. He said, I got you covered, Wiley. He got you co- he, he, I got you covered, Grady. He got got you covered there, Buzz. Got you covered, Julian. He didn't want to go. He wanted some other way. But you know what? If Jesus went to the cross and there was another way to save you, if there was one other way to save you that he didn't have to go to the cross, then Jesus, then what kind of God are we talking about? To, to make his son suffer for nothing, if there was any other way. But there's no other way to salvation. Paul says in Romans, well, let's just finish that. When Jesus went to the cross, he hung on the cross for nine hours. About nine in the morning, and he went to the cross. And at 12 noon, darkness fell over Golgotha. When that darkness fell over, the sins of the world began to pour out on him. Your sins, my sins, where he was being judged. And from noon to three in the afternoon, he suffered the most horrendous sin in that darkness as our sins were being poured out upon him. By the end of that, Jesus cried out, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He was forsaken in order that we might be accepted. He became sin for us that we might be the righteousness in him. And by believing in him and trusting in him, we may have eternal life. 
eternal life comes at a point where we're looking at the cross and we're saying, I'm trusting in that one to provide eternal life for me. I can't do it myself. I'm not saved. I cannot save myself. But he can save me through his promise. Paul says in Romans, if we confess or if we believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, we are saved. We can do this in the privacy of our own home. If you're listening in, um, wherever you're at, you can do that right now. And we'll have the opportunity. As well. doesn't take, it doesn't walk, take walking the aisle. doesn't take crying tears of repentance. But it's about responding to the truth. And the truth is that Jesus Christ provides eternal life for anyone that trusts in him for it. Let us pray. Father in heaven, that we come to you this morning. And we dedicate this service for those who are without life, without hope, because they're without Christ. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you, that the Holy Spirit will open the eyes of their hearts at this moment, those who are in the sound of my voice, to give them assurance of the gospel, to illuminate their hearts to the truth that Jesus Christ died for them. And by trusting in him, that one we've never seen, and that's, and it's not a leap into the darkness, but it's a leap into the light to understand the truth as God is making it real in their hearts right now. And by trusting in Jesus Christ, we do have eternal life. And as we come to our service this morning, we pray, Heavenly Father, that God the Holy Spirit will enlighten us to the things that we're about to study, we ask that you make them a source of blessing and challenge as we continue to grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. We must always be ready for the divine appointments. You don't know when you're going to get them. And um, they're a glorious time they're, they're, uh, because people will come to ask you the question. And... Um, and they will, they will sometimes they'll come argumentatively. They will come with their presuppositions. They will come with, well, what about this and what about that? And you, it's not for you to drag them to church. Absolutely invite them to church. But you're there one-on-one. And that's going to be opportunity for you. We are prepared. In, and why will we come to church? To prepare for those wonderful times. We are in Ephesians chapter 6. Therefore, leaving the elementary teachings about the Christ, let us press on to maturity, let, not laying again the foundations of repentance from dead works and of the faith toward God. Of instructions about washing, laying on of hands, and the resurrection from the dead, and the eternal judgment. And this we will do, if God permits. 
For in the case of those who have once been enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have been made partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away, it is impossible to renew them again to repentance since they again crucified to themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame. For the ground that drinks the rain which often falls on it and brings forth vegetation, useful to those for the sake it is also tilled, receives a blessing from God. But if it yields thorns and thistles, it is worthless and close to being cursed. It ends up being burned. What I say? Okay. Sorry about that. All right. Hebrews chapter 6. Thank you very much. I was, confu- I was confused where you were. <laughs> All right. Got up early this morning, folks, and drove. Did a lot. Did well, a we've, lo- heard, we've heard it a lot, so it only took a few verses to say. Sure. No, he's in Hebrews. Thank you. Hebrews chapter 6. Thank you very much. Sorry. Okay. Let, pressing on. Pressing on to the high ground. You've heard it before. That our objective as believers, and I'm going to keep saying it. Why do I keep saying it? That our objective reaches spiritual maturity, and it's at that place that we maximize our glory for God, to God. I say it because our end goal, well, let's just say that Jesus Christ's goal, let's put it like this, Jesus Christ for coming to this world was not for our salvation. He did not come to save us. That wasn't his ultimate goal. His ultimate goal was this, to glorify God. And he glorified God by completing what God had sent him here to do. What is our number one objective? Again, it's the same one, to glorify God. And how do we glorify God? By reaching the high ground of spiritual maturity. I say that and I repeat it and I will continue to repeat it for the very fact that an objective is not reached apart from you acknowledging that, knowing that there's objective. There's the objective. Let's go for it. Let's push for it. And there's a lot of distractions from it. Easy Street would be one of those distractions. Hey, it's easier to go that direction or that direction. I guarantee you it's not going to be easy to climb that mountain. It's not going to be easy because when when you recognize that our objective is to reach maturity in our faith, that's when you're going to start receiving the, the, the fiery darts. That's when you're going to lose friends. That's when you're going to that's when you're going to start suffering for Christ. When you start making headway and you start pressing forward. Sometimes it scares me just a little bit when, when I've got good friends and I'm ha- you know, and there's no pressure in my life and, and things are going pretty good. kind of scares me because I say, what am I doing wrong? What am I doing wrong? 
So, you have one eternal chance to reach it. You have one window of opportunity called life. You don't get more than one life. You get one. You only get one game to win. You get one opportunity. And when that window of opportunity closes, it's going to close one of three ways. It's going to close with your death. It might close with the rapture. But ladies and gentlemen, it can also close with your negative volition. You can get up and shut the window and close that window with no opportunity for that window to ever open again. This is the warning that we get from Hebrews chapter 6 from the writer here. 1 Corinthians. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 2 9. And Grady, you open us up with reading that for us, will you? 1 Corinthians 2 9. If I fall asleep up here, somebody else comes up. And, uh, great. Hey, Wiley, if I fall asleep up here, you come on up. But we're teaching the Word of God. I don't think I'm going to be doing that. It's, it's motivated stuff. You got this, Grady? Go ahead. But just as it, it is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God what has prepared for those who love him. Okay. None of us are left in this life to be conscientious objectors. Certainly, when you trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have received something special, and that's eternal life. But it doesn't stop there. He, you have brought, you've been brought into the family of God, and God says, I've got something special for you. I mean, something that's going to blow your mind. Well, what is it? Something that you just, something that's just going to, to just make everything. If you knew what was there, you would sell everything that you had. If you knew exactly what God would have, you would you would just you would just sell out everything. Well, what is it? No, I I have seen, no ear has heard. I don't want to go to heaven and miss out on this. See what I'm saying? I mean, there is that objective. So there's no conscientious objective. You say, well, there's no distract. There's nothing on this earth that's going to compare with the reward that we're going to have in heaven. The rewards and the decorations that what God has for those who love Him. How do we know that we love God? When we obey Him. When we obey Him. When we when when we um, when we learn His mandates and obey Him. See, it's much more than just coping skills in this life. Just going about your life, marking time. So God is preparing his family. You and I, he's preparing us with a life that's beyond anything that this world could ever offer. Anything more, everything more than we could even ask or think. We know that there's, we know that there's a rulership function. He's preparing those who's going to rule with him. We learned in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, that he made man, both male and female, mankind, both male and female, and they were to be co-heirs in this world, that they are to rule, that, they are, that there is rulership function. 
We also learn in Revelation 2.26, he who overcomes, I will give him rulership over nations. We are in a we are in the rulership that he's grooming us for kingship. Ladies, you also kingship, royalty. Kingship male and female, because in Genesis 1 it says both male and female. He made them to rule over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, over the creeping things of this earth. That should wake us up each morning with the real with a realization this is another day of preparation. There are people that say I've there are people that say, Well, I've you know, I'm ready to go. I, I go to heaven today. Not me. I got more training to do. Every day I wake up, there's a it's another training day. It's another profitable service. So point of doctrine. No earthly goal ever can be compared to that which God has prepared for us. The heavenly goals are the best and the highest. So the writer of Hebrews says, get off the basics. Get off the ABCs of salvation. He doesn't say forget about them. He just says, let's move on. Move on to the meat and potatoes of the spiritual life. The word of God is, it says 2 Timothy 3.7. The word of God is our training in righteousness. Jesus Christ, after the order of Melchizedek, is the king of righteousness. And if we are going to be formed in his image, guess what? We need training in righteousness. If we're going to rule with him, we need training in righteousness. 2 Timothy 3.7 says that we are, we are being trained in righteousness. Then, um, and 1 Timothy 4.6 says that the godly life, the godliness, is good not only for this life that we're living in, but also the life to come. See, our life, amen, hallelujah. Those who are in Christ, really, those who are not in Christ either, there's a life after this one. To those who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for eternal life. That wonderful life continues on after this one. <laughs> and um, to rewards, to decoration, to eternal life, to heaven, heavenly rewards. Amen. But for those without Christ, it's condemnation. You might say, well, a loving God would not cast his creatures into the lake of fire. I want you gentlemen to... And ladies, to know that you're going to hear that. God, God won't cast it. If he's a loving God, he won't cast his creature in the lake of fire. Wait a minute, listen. His perfect justice does not compromise. Well, his perfect love does not compromise his perfect justice, however you say it. Yes, he's a loving God. And because he loved you so much, he sent his only begotten son that whoever trusts in him shall not perish but have eternal life. He's already made you a door. And just because you just because you don't take that door to escape the wrath of God that's abideth on you, that's on you. If he, he gave you the way out, you chose to be condemned. You chose to go to hell. When there's an open door that you can walk out that door, 
and you choose not to take it, who's it on? God or you? Don't be tell, don't be telling don't be blaspheming God and saying that He won't cast His creatures into the lake of fire. His justice will put you there. You know when Jesus went to the garden and He died when He was he, when He was weeping and or He was weeping there, but He was sweating blood droplets and He was praying to God. He was in complete. Let's just say, um, dread. What was he in a dread of? The cross? The beatings? No, he was in dread of God's wrath coming upon him. Some in heaven will have cords, and some won't. Amanda Amanda will tell you about cords. Some will have distinctions and honors to their uniform and glory. When I say cords, man, you know, again, Mandel talk. And um, when she went to college, some had cords, some didn't. Some complained that they had distinctions. And some said, oh, they got that. You know, how come they get that for their, their robe? I don't get anything. That's because these people set themselves up. They were distinguished among the rest, having certain distinguishing marks. Grade point average, what have you. Some didn't. That's going to be heaven. See, we have equal opportunity to advance to spiritual maturity in this life. We have spirit, We have the opportunity to take the advantages what God has given each one of us to grow, to use that, to reach that maturity. God wants you there. It's like it's like we're all in, we're all on the team, we're all on the field, and our greatest. I guarantee you, the greatest, our greatest cheerleader is up in the stands, and he said, "Go, go, go!" And that is our God. He wants us to succeed. He wants us to run the touchdown to His glory. The father up in the stands that sees his son run the touchdown is the proudest man in that whole stadium. He said, that's my boy. That's my, that's my boy. That's God. And when we run, when we run it, we, he, we reach that. It is God saying, that's my girl. That's my boy. He, there's no one that's more proud than him, but it's glory to him. He has given us every advantage to do that and to run the race and to fight the good fight. It's up to us to take the, take the advantages that he has given us and run it. And, and, and okay, we ought to take those advantages and just... All right. Be calm down a little bit. So, so some of us are going. Some of us are going to take the advantages. Some of us are going to run, run the race, and fight the good fight. You're going to recognize the objective. And I pray for you. A part of my prayer life is praying that you recognize. What I'm talking about right now, and that you'll put it, 
that God will make illuminate your hearts and your eyes to the fact that this is real. So real that when you choose your your wives, when and and the girls who choose your husbands, that you will stop and you will think, will this one help me in my spiritual life? Or will this one be a hindrance to my spiritual life? You want to make sure that she's got a spiritual life. At least at least she knows her God. She knows her Jesus. She's got some growing to do. You'll have some growing to do. But you can grow together. Can I grow with this one? Same with thing with Jolene. When she gets old, I, I pray for her now. I pray for her husband now. That they will be compatible together. That when they meet each other, that you when you meet, your, your wives, that you will know that this is your wife. And when you start talking to her and she starts talking about Jesus, she say, well, listen, Wiley Gunner. She'll call you Wiley Gunner. <laughs> she'll, well, listen, Wiley. Listen. Uh, and yours, I guess she'll call you Grady. She'll, listen, Grady, I won't have nothing to do with you if you don't, you don't know my God because you're not going in the same direction I'm going. You know, side note. I heard, now I hadn't seen this, but I heard somebody say it, that Ruth Graham, the, uh, Billy Graham's wife, at first it wouldn't have nothing to do with Billy Graham because he wasn't godly enough. You know, that was probably back in his young, rebellious days. But anyway, nonetheless. So, there will be no human limitations that can be cited why you could not reach the objective. You will stand either as a winner or overcomer in Nikaios or a loser in Napios at your judgment seat of Christ for one reason, because you chose to do so. So I teach this in the same reason for the same reason, the writer of Hebrews writes this and addresses this to his, to his people, to the Jewish people mainly, for the same reason why I preach it from the pulpit today, that there's a danger. Not the danger of you losing your salvation, but the danger of losing your opportunity to receive the greatest blessing over and above your basic salvation. Hey, salvation was great. And don't tell me, listen, if somebody is listening, well, I just want to be in my heaven with Jesus once again. And you're just going to be satisfied. I don't need the rewards. I don't need this. I don't need that. Well, let's just put it down this. So isn't maybe maybe to set aside everything else, would glorifying God not be the highest ultimate thing that in your life? He died he sent his son, you he died the son died for you. Would it not be enough to say in gratitude? Can you be that leper? You know what I'm talking about? The ten lepers? Jesus Jesus say healed the ten. One of them came back and bowed down. In gratitude. If it wasn't nothing more than the giving your gratitude back to God, would it not be enough to give your life to, to the Lord and say, 
whatever. My life's yours. I don't care what you do with it, and I don't care. It's enough to know that I've been healed. If you knew the wrath of God and how bad that was going to be, if you could look and you could see, if you could see a picture of the wrath of God, and you say, you missed that. You might change your mind. So, there uh, again, there's a danger to lose your heavenly rewards, the loss of eternal rewards. So this we will do if God permits. Remember, we went over this the other night. If God permits, says, let me give you four if, uh, four ifs real quick. Again, um, one if is maybe He will, and um, and he will. If God will do this, that means he will do it, then here's the result. And that could be sense. Since God will do this, kind of like Jacob when he said, if God does this. It can be hypothetical. Here's hypothetical. You might laugh at this. Hypothetical um, would be if cows could fly, what a mess our windshields would be. If cows could fly, we... We wouldn't need fences because that wouldn't keep cows from going over our fences. Okay, so it's a hypothetical. If it is true, then um, if this is true, then this would be true. Okay, if maybe he will and maybe he won't, it's a contingent on God's decision. If it is true, maybe it is and maybe it won't. It's like if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just, forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Maybe you will confess your sins. Maybe you won't. So God will not, okay, so God, it means that, you know, that God will not allow it. Okay, if this is true. Okay, so coming back to Hebrews with me. Pick it up from there. For uh, a, And this we will do if God permits. We're looking at the sovereignty of God. Everything that we do is courtesy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything that we do is by his permission. If God permits, if God allows us to move forward, even moving into, uh, it's he is the king, he's sovereign, he can permit. Let's go on to four. For in the case of those who, and this is where we left off the other, this in case that he who has been enlightened, Let's stop right there. Okay, first of all, let's go for the four. Four, for this reason, why does this clause exist? Okay, for this reason, okay, um, if God permits, four, four, those who have been enlightened, every one of us were born blind. Let's go to second. Somebody give me... I think it's Second Corinthians two fourteen. Wally Gunner, give me that. It might be First Corinthians two fourteen. I keep getting those two mixed up. 
went to First Corinthians two. Is first. Well, give me First Corinthians two fourteen. Yeah, I'll remember that from now on. Okay, very good. Give me my screen, that's on. There we go. Good. That part worked. All right. Remember that we are body, soul, and spirit. You remember that. Now, we know that we've all got bodies. We've all showed up here in a body today. Um, that body possesses two immaterial parts of man, the soul and the spirit. This is the way man was originally designed. That soul connects the body to other souls. It's not up there on the screen? Okay. Okay. He, that soul connects the body with other souls, with its environment. Okay, that's the soul. Remember, the soul has your personality, has your emotions, it has your conscience. Everything that you are really tied up in your soul. You know, it, everything that when we look, and we look at all the kinds of different souls, all kinds of different personalities, all, that's all part of your soul. Okay? Where that soul is going to spend eternity is going to be dependent upon the spirit. Okay, the spirit ha- is the relationship with God. It's your connectivity. It connects the person with God. The problem is, when we were born into this world because of what Adam did, that spirit is dead to our relationship with God. You're spiritually dead. You're very much alive. You've, you've got a soul. You've got a body. But you've got a spirit that's disconnected with God. Don't, you know, you're, sometimes you're surprised at people's ignorance. Don't be. Because if they're unbelievers, they cannot understand. Riley, right? What, what, you, you used the word. What's the word? The Sukikos man can't understand the things of God. Don't be surprised at people's ignorance of the Bible. And they may, they may talk about the Bible. They may act like they know about the Bible. They may be even quote scripture. But with, if you talk for a little bit, wow, you, you realize that the deep things they don't understand. The things of God, the things of salvation. Why? Because that spirit, the spirit, the human spirit, not the Holy Spirit, but the human spirit is dead to a relationship with God. Rem, rem, going back to Adam. You ever get confused why Adam was hiding from God? Didn't Adam know that that there was no place he could hide from God? And tried once Adam sinned and died spiritually, he was screwed up. He was screwed up the, uh, theologically, doctrinally. So are we when we don't have Christ. Okay, so enlightenment. Okay, let's let's go back to the board here. Let's talk about the enlightenment. 
So here we are. We are fat, dumb, and happy. Okay, we're going along, and you know we have a we have a soul, a body, but a spirit that is dead to a relationship with God. And life is good for some of us. We we got our goals, we got our thoughts, we got we might have some prosperity or whatever, but we're still dead. And all of a sudden we come to a place called the we come to this thing called the gospel. The euangelion. What does euangelion mean? It means good news. First of all, you have to know the bad news before you know the good news. What is the what is the good news? Or what is the bad news? What's that? Hell. hell, that's right. Well, the bad news is that we are spiritually dead, that we're going to hell, that we have no relationship with God. And if we died today, we would be absent from the body and face-to-face, not with God our Savior, but God our judge. And it's and that's when we are going to have the day of reckoning. Why? Because we have no spirit which connectivity with God. So what happens at the moment of salvation or at the at that point? At some point, wherever it is, and however it's communicated, it is God the Holy Spirit. It's like at the beginning, you know, when when the Holy Spirit hovered over the the earth that was dark and void and empty. It is the gospel message that becomes light. The light of the gospel. The good news. That that is the power. Let's let's go to 2 Corinthians 4. Since we're there first, let's go to 2 Corinthians 4.4. And whoever's got it first, go ahead and read it for me. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Okay. And uh, let's go. Okay, so here it is that, okay, again, the... The God of this world. Who's the God of this world? Satan. He's blinded us. He has deceived us. He's done quite a bit to keep us blinded from ever hearing the gospel. Why does, help me out, why does Satan want to blind us from the gospel, from good news? Romans one sixteen. Somebody give me Romans one sixteen. Romans one sixteen. For I am not ashamed. Go ahead. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Okay, what is it, Grady? What's the gospel? It's the power. It's the power that is used in the time in which we live. The message that's going out into the world. The good news. 
And the good news that, that is that Jesus Christ provides eternal life for anyone that trusts in him for it. Okay? When that is given, it is the Holy Spirit that opens the eyes of our heart. He illuminates. That's it. That is illumination. He brings it to because it's spiritual phenomena. The message of the cross is the message of the cross is foolish to those who are perishing. But to those who are saving, it becomes that power. Let's open up to Acts twenty six eighteen. Acts twenty six eighteen. And somebody give me that one. Got it? To open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Okay, so once again, we're seeing the power, we're seeing the gospel, we're seeing the light of the gospel shining upon men, shining out of heart. And it's what Paul says that. Just as the Lord called light to shine out of darkness, talking about the beginning, he causes light to shine out of our dark hearts, the darkness of our hearts. We are, we, once again, regardless of what we are, we may be happy in this world, we may be sad, we may, regardless of who we are, it comes that gospel time when somebody communicates, when we are hearing through that ear gate, the communication that Jesus Christ provides eternal life. Now, it's not about our hearing, it's not about our believing, but it's about, the, it's about the Holy Spirit that causes, that takes that information and brings it. It's like another language to us. And it's like the Holy Spirit is making it understandable to the heart. And I could say this easily because, uh, again, I say I was just an ignorant little kid, well, 17-year-old, when... When I heard um, when I heard the gospel preached, and I certainly were ignorant, and um, but I understood. You know why did I understand what was being preached to make us say yes? I am trusting in Him for eternal life. A moron can understand this. An imbecile, I think, could understand this. And when the whole and why I don't understand. There's no. There's no demographic. An ignorant one can understand it. A genius can understand it. Men and women, short people, tall people, fat people, skinny people. There's no demographic. People believe it all over the place. Why is that? It's in a, it seems to be an irrational message. What does a man 2,000 years ago Dying on the cross have anything to do with my salvation today? And what is salvation? I know none of it apart from the Holy Spirit making it real to my heart. That's called illumination. That's called shedding light where darkness is. We were all blind and we had no idea. And when we heard the gospel preached, some of us accepted it and some of us didn't. Some of us had several chances some of us had one chance and blew it. So God initiates it through the communication of the gospel. And to make the gospel understandable to the dead human heart, he opens up the door to positive decision. 
And at the point that you say, um, you know, like I'm talking to Grady here, and Grady's an unbeliever. You know, not really, but let's just use that. So let's say Grady's an unbeliever. And I say, Grady, you know, if you, if you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for eternal life, it's, you, you know, God will, um, and you will be saved. Come back, give me back, give me back that, back that. What does that do for regeneration? Remember, we talked about that spirit that was dead to Christ. Well, that will make that alive now. When that comes to alive, regeneration, now you have contact with God. Regeneration, that, that's a rebirth. That is, that is being born again. And being born again, now you're a new creature. Now you have a body, a soul, and a spirit that connects to God. Okay, so that all comes from illumination. It comes from, first of all, illumination. Then there's a decision that you have to make. You were born in the darkness. Well, a woman made a decision. Not the woman, but she made a decision. But the man made a decision to sin, to go out into the darkness. He made a decision. Now, if you were, if you were out in the dark, what does if okay? Let's just say we're we're at nighttime and you were you were outside in the darkness. What do you have to do to enter into the light? Help me out. You got to go through the door and come back into the light, right? You're outside. How do you get inside? You got to come in. Well, we were born on the outside. We were born in darkness. So when when you see the light, when the light illuminates your heart then there must be a decision within your heart. Yes, I'm trusting in it, or no, I'm not. But to enter in that light, you have to make a decision to go through that door. And when you make that decision, you are born again. And, okay, so, coming back to Hebrews chapter 6. For in the case of those who have been enlightened and tasted the heavenly gift, and that heavenly gift is salvation. That heavenly gift is salvation. John 4.10 Let's go to John 4.10. This is the story of the woman at the well. Somebody give give me that. All right. If you knew that gift of God, and that gift of God is salvation. Let's go to Ephesians 2.8. Not Hebrews, but Ephesians 2.8. I know that one. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, 
created in Christ Jesus to do works which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Okay, very good. So here, once again, is a gift from God. A gift is freely given. It's not, it's not, it's not on basis of anything that you are, but it's on who the giver is to give you that. And uh, James says that all good things come from heaven. Our salvation is given from God. Faith is a non-meritorious system. It is not something, but it, faith is the fact that we, we can, we can believe. A belief doesn't make you a better person or a worse person. It doesn't change who and what you are. The object of believing holds all the merit. The, which well, I mean, I say, I believe in God. What's the most important What's the most important word in that sentence? I believe in God. 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 It's who and what God is. It's not on the ability of me believing, but it's on who I am believing in. All right? So, coming back. So, now we've got, let's just say salvation. We, and we talked a little bit about salvation at the beginning. So, so what do we got so far? First of all, we got illumination. And then from illumination, we receive, we receive the gift of salvation. Can we lose our salvation? No. no, we can't. It's a gift. What would we say? God would be an Indian giver? And the Lord said, and no one will snatch them out of my hands. Not only that, Jesus said, the Father is greater than I am. And no one's going to snatch us out of his hands. So there's nothing we can do to lose that salvation. Right now, the writers of Hebrews identifying believers, okay? Come back to Hebrews chapter 6. Oh, I'm in Hebrews. Okay, there we go. So, for in the case of those who have been enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift. So, first of all, it's God's initiative for God executed. He, it's his initiative. He caused light to shine out of where darkness was. And then um, enlightened and have tasted. We went over that word tasted the other night. That tasted doesn't mean sampling. It means participating in. Who has experienced. Okay, it doesn't mean, ooh, okay, um, I taste that pot roast and I walked away from it and I'm okay. No, it's not. It means participate. If you participate in salvation, if you have heard the gospel, you have trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ for eternal life, you have participated in the salvation in the sense that you've been brought in. You've experienced it. Maybe not participated in it, but you experienced salvation. That's a better word, huh? You experienced the heavenly gift. And have been partakers. I like that partakers. Anybody guess what that partakers are? The word? Give me my board, son. Oh, I guess I see it. Yeah. Metacoy. Partners. Partners. If you have been made partners, have you been participants? 
And that's what that's what, how we're trying to, if you've been participants, if you've participated, been part, participants of the Holy Spirit. Okay, what does that mean? That means at the moment that you've trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, at the moment of your rebirth, many things have taken place in, in you being a new creature. One of them is that you have received the Holy Spirit. Ladies and gentlemen, there is no provision where God is going to take away that Holy Spirit from you. We have the guarantee of eternal life through that Holy Spirit. Now, David prayed, take not your Holy Spirit from me. But we're talking about the Old Testament. We're talking about only a few people were, were empowered with the Holy Spirit, David being one of them. But here, those who have trusted in Lord Jesus Christ have the Holy Spirit. They have the Holy Spirit come upon them. Listen, do not get confused. To my Pentecostal friends, it's not a feeling. It's a position. You know, if you're not going around with your arms up and, you know, doing, you know, talking tongues and doing this and doing that, Oh, I must not, I must have the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit 24-7. You will not lose the Holy Spirit. He is your mentor. He is your teacher. The worst that we can do is to quench and grieve the Holy Spirit. That means that we suppress the ministry of the Holy Spirit. That we keep the, that we suppress, that we hold down. The Holy Spirit is there for function, is to, uh, once again, a mentor, is to help you in this spiritual life for growth. Okay, so so now we've got, once again, come on back to my board here, son. So we have illumination. That's God making it real, opening up our eyes to it. We have the gift of salvation which is a gift. God will not take back his gift to us. We have the Holy Spirit, which is also a gift, that comes to us to mentor us in our spiritual life. Let me see if we have one more thing here. Um, Partakes and tasted the good word of God. And we've tasted or we've experienced the Word of God. Once again, we're taught, here's that second time we hear, see that word tasted. And it does, isn't tasted. That means we've experienced the Word of God. And what does that mean? That we begin to grow. We're talking about, hey, can we, can we agree here? Give me my board again. Can we agree here that, the, that illumination... Of the Word of God, and listen, the Suki man cannot understand the Word of God. It's spiritually appraised, okay? Can we agree that this is a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ? Is there any doubt? Could this, could this in any way be an unbeliever? Anybody? Any, anybody have an argument that this is a believer or an unbeliever? No. Absolutely, this is. So, here it is. that the um, And when we talk about the Word of God, experiencing the Word of God, that means 
you've been on fire at some point. You've, you've had your spiritual priorities, which is the Word of God, and you were growing in it. And your life was changing. And you're, you're, you're growing up in God's Word. All right, now let's take it. This is where the believer is taking it. And have tasted the good word of God in the powers of the age to come. The powers of the age to come is you've been enlightened to the mystery doctrine, the kingdom doctrine, which is coming. You've You've been given privy to things that the unbeliever could never know, that God has opened it up. And then have fallen away. It is impossible to renew them again. And that's where we're going to hold off. And we're going to continue this because I'm not done yet. I'm going to continue this Thursday night. And we'll pick this up on that as we come into our communion service on that. But let's let's just give me give a smooth smooth transition out of this. So you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you're not going to lose this. You're not, you cannot reverse the illumination. You cannot reverse this gift of salvation. You cannot reverse receiving the Holy Spirit. And you cannot, and the Word of God. And remember what I said about the Word of God many times before. As you're taking in the Word of God, there is accountability. And though you, and though you're not going to reverse these things. And you do have eternal life. You can lose those rewards that we talked about at the beginning. Those position. Those things that we, no eye has seen, no ears heard. That we don't want to lose. So, Anyway, the next, as we enter into the, our most solemn phase of the worship service, which is the Lord's table. We do this on a regular basis. Our our service is every um, every second every second Sunday of the month, and it's what is mandated in the in our Christian life. There is a mandate, and that mandate is the that we are to, oh, I'm sorry, there's, I lost thought here. forgot that we didn't open up the song. Can we open up the song? <laughs> no, we're going to move on. The, um, there is two mandated rituals in the church age. That is baptism and communion. And we, we get baptized once. But in communion, this is a regular, this is a regular ritual, something that we continue to do. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. You see, we can be distracted in many things. We can be distracted by, even in church, we can be distracted by our ministries. We can be distracted by the things of this life as we're going on. But communion brings us back to the most basic issue 
which is who and what Christ is. And what he did in order to secure our salvation. We are who we are, not because of what what we choose to be, but is what Christ, through Christ, we have become. We have become children of God through the work of Jesus Christ upon the cross. And it begins with his humanity. Well, it begins with God, actually. Um, and God's plan. It began, It continues on with the Jesus Christ who executed the plan and the Holy Spirit who reveals that. When Jesus came to this world, he was perfect humanity. Another lie is that Jesus was either not humanity or he wasn't God. Either one is a problem. But there are those that say he was really was not a man, that he was a uh, angel or he was uh, just a fragment um, or, or just a um, a spirit of some kind but he was true humanity that he suffered as we would suffer that he took on all the frailties frail, frailties of humanity as we have he hurt he felt the heat of the day. He felt the coldness of night. He, when, where we see in the Bible where the miracles, that wasn't, that wasn't, that was the empowerment of the Holy Spirit and those miracles and those things that he knew was through the prophet. And a prophet was a man. To be a priest, he was that man. It was necessary that Jesus Christ would become a man. Because none of us, every one of us, were, are guilty sinners. And when it, comes, when it comes to the point where we are to need a Savior, the guilty man cannot, a guilty party cannot die for the guilty. We're, we're both guilty here. You cannot die for my sins. You've got your own sins to die for. Well, Jesus Christ was perfect. In his humanity, he was perfect. He was, Hebrews tells us that, uh, the writer of Hebrews tells us that he was, he was um, tested in every way and suffered in every way except without, without sin. So he was qualified to go to the cross because he didn't have his own sin that he could that he had to pay for. He felt the whips, he felt the spikes going into his arm into his hands and in his feet. He felt the he felt the um, torture of the crucifixion, and he felt the sin, the judgment of sin coming upon what we deserve. So as we distribute the bread, let us think about the Jesus Christ as our humanity, as he had left his throne to take on the form of man in order that he might take our sin and and also represent us as our high priest. 
And when he had given thanks, as our Lord Jesus Christ in the upper room, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When he came to death, Hebrew says that Jesus experienced death for all of us. When man, at the very beginning, when Adam, that first, our first father, original father, when he sinned against God, he died. And he would experience death, first of all, spiritual death. And that spiritual death, he became separated from a relationship with God. Adam would go on to experience physical death. There was no death in the garden prior to the sin. And every time that we have a, when someone dies, it is a reminder that we live in, in a broke world. That we're living in a window of time. If one dies, having not received Christ, he actually dies two times. He dies once physically, and then he goes on to suffer eternally, eternal separation from God. Our problem is the fact that we are going to die. What are we going to do about it? For those who have trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, we die one time. And through the blood of Christ, we live. Not to die the second. It is the substitutionary uh, substitutionary death. You see, the blood was not that Jesus died, uh, bled to death. He didn't bleed to death. It was... The figurative, figurative that where it is the blood that has life in the animal, the life is in its blood. We find that in Genesis chapter 9. And so it was an illustration that what must take place, that the life for the innocent must be given for the life of the guilty. And so Jesus Christ, having no sin, gave his life in order that we might have life. He was innocent. Once again, he had no sin. So when he died, he was judged, the innocent being judged for the guilty. And when we take part in the communion, we are recognizing and remembering that that our salvation, no, it's free gift, was not free. Someone had to pay for it. And by taking the cup, we acknowledge Jesus Christ who paid for our sin. We're going to hold on to the cup until all have been served.
In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This is the cup. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. Let us stand, and for our closing hymn would be When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. way of announcement we will have our um our bible challenge come thursday night uh, to be in the categories will be announced and we'll continue this our next son's day and um so you all welcome to that and uh let's close it out in prayer father in heaven we're so grateful for our so great salvation Much was said about salvation today, and we pray, Heavenly Father, that those in the sound of my voice who've heard this message, who continue to hear this message, that you will touch their hearts, recognize that they are not, they are helpless by way of lifting themselves up, of of gaining life. They need external source. They need, and it is your Son. I pray, Heavenly Father, open their hearts the eyes of their hearts, to know that Jesus Christ died for them. And by trusting him, they do have eternal life, and that life is secure. 
I pray, uh, I pray, Heavenly Father, that these truths will continue to be fortified within our hearts, that we will live a life that is worthy of those calling, that we will continue to press forward to the high ground of spiritual maturity, to the place where our lives will maximize the glory of God. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of the glory, his glory, blameless with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forevermore. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Amen.